This is the Drive-In Podcast. Take one. Bada bing, bada boom. Welcome to a very special edition of the Drive-In Podcast. This is Dr. O on the horn, and I'm joined by Ricky Flix, and we have just gotten home following Matt Reeves's The Batman. We went to an AMC, had a very special viewing tonight, and I got to be honest, Ricky Flix, I had indis- the indisputable best theater experience I've ever had in my life, ever, bar none. I don't think it's close. This was euphoric. This was a movie that I was I had such high expectations for and I knew Matt Reese had something special for us but it still exceeded the expectations still exceeded them let me try <laughs> I doc I, senior is now on the horn here he is offended offended that he was not invited with Ricky Flicks and I to AMC tonight to see the special viewing of the Batman Hello. Yeah. There he is. We can hear you. I can hear you. I didn't get we didn't get drinks. We went stone cold sober. All we needed was the high of the Batman. Doc Senior. He is so disappointed right now. I, I, I the YouTube is seeing this. This is incredible. Oh jeez. I don't know what to say. A dagger! A dagger! I don't know what to say except he, I had to see it. It's today. also good. Uh, the pod listeners have to realize <laughs> that Doctor O cannot hear us. <laughs> Doc Senior cannot hear a single thing I'm saying right now. Cannot hear a single thing. <laughs> He's about to shut the door on Ricky Flicks. Ricky Flicks has his headphones in, so he can only hear what I'm saying. Doc Senior hears nothing. You see this? Look at this. Ricky's showing off his commemorative Batman popcorn holder. The Batman popcorn holder. I also got one. I think Ricky Flick should give his popcorn holder to Doc Sr. as a gift for shutting him out of seeing this oh-so-special picture. I'm listening to my headphones, and if I unplug it... This is the best intro to a podcast of all time. I didn't see his popcorn bucket. Yeah, we both got one. I didn't see him holding it. I'm holding it right now. Oh, he can't, still can't hear me. You got a hand wash. Right Ricky Flex, we got to find a way to di- we we got we got to find a way to record. It's ele- it's eleven at night. Okay, <laughs> make a move here. So now you're kicking me out. No, I'm not. Oh, he found out. He found out, but he can't hear me still. He can't hear me still. He is so pissed. He is so pissed that he was not invited to the Batman. Little does he know that I already bought tickets for a Friday showing with Doc Senior. Ricky, there's nothing left. <laughs> okay. He has no idea the mic's picking him up. This is this is almost as good as the movie. It's almost as good as the movie. But Ricky Flex, are you back? <laughs> yeah, I'm back. Okay. So as I was saying, this is an absolute euphoric experience. This is, in my opinion, going to be the most discussed comic book movie potentially of all time. It is a differentiation from everything we've seen from DC, especially from Marvel. And this was euphoric in a way that it was like a fresh air. It was something that I thought I knew it was coming. And it did deliver, but exceeded those expectations somehow. Ricky Flex, initial reactions to seeing the Batman. We saw the Batman. I am discombobulated right now. I'm not going to lie. I am. <laughs> I don't know where. What, I thought I was in a state of shock. <laughs> After seeing the Batman now, I don't know. I'm not going to sleep tonight. I... I loved it. I thought it was amazing. I thought, I thought it was almost perfect. It was very, it was very well done. I, I won't say it was better than The Dark Knight because I don't think it was. But this movie is very rewatchable. This movie is three hours long and it's rewatchable. That's impressive. That is an impressive feat. And I will say this: it is one of the best superhero movies of all time. easily even just one time viewing you knew it and i'm not closed off we'll talk about the dark knight in a second or i guess a little bit down the line uh during this podcast but over time i'm not opposed to the thought to the thought of maybe this exceeds the dark knight or at least matches it i'm not opposed to that yet we'll get into it i have some differentiations that uh 
I guess beefs I have with the uh, the Batman compared to the Dark Knight and why it's not there yet, in my opinion. But Ricky Flux, I think we have to tell the listeners about our viewing experience. I just said it was like the best theater experience of all time. I think we have to give them the play by play leading up to our entrance into the theater. Okay. <laughs> well, this is well. Look what we got, Ricky Flux. We got oh, these oh, commemorative yeah. Batman popcorn holders. Not only that. Right. So we, I was in line to get popcorn. It was a big debate between Ricky Flicks and I. Do we get popcorn and do we get a soda? And it wasn't just it was almost like, yeah, duh, we're getting popcorn. It's a three hour movie. But what we had to take into account is what size soda, because what if we have to pee during this? And we both and so we both decided to go small soda. But as no, I was incorrect, you went large. I went large. Oh, did you have to pee during it? I held it in. I was fine. Had to. It had wasn't to. like it, it wasn't drastic. You had a clear distraction from peeing, right? From what you were seeing on the screen. Uh, a little kid did like go in front of me as I was like, as the beginning of the movie started and I was getting pissed. I'm like, dude, you had like freaking an hour to use the bathroom before this viewing experience. But as I was ahead of uh, Ricky Flicks in line to go get popcorn and uh, as I was debating with Ricky Flicks, like, what size drink do I get? All of a sudden, this uh, advertisement pops up on the screen behind the cashier. And it says commemorative or uh, it's a collect- collectible Batman popcorn holder. And I looked at Ricky and he's like, you got to do it. And so I got this commemorative Batman uh, popcorn holder. It's an amazing piece of plastic <laughs> an amazing piece of plastic and it's an amazing design and it's going to be it's going to be definitely hanging up in my house somewhere it's got to be but i got the popcorn and then i turned around to go like uh fill out my soda and i know it's ricky flicks got one too ricky flicks i thought he we were just getting one he's like i had to get one too for the house <laughs> i had to get one for myself ricky flicks how much did these cost uh including the popcorn it was 26.99 Yes, $26.99, well worth it. Uh, Amazing. I mean, I can't let any of my friends touch this because it's going to break. It, it was more than it. worth it. When we walk into the theater, an IMAX theater, like we got, we walked in, it was like 25 minutes before the movie started. Not a single person had one. We were the only people that bought them. Dude, I felt actually really cool having this popcorn holder everyone but, t- wanted to say everyone was looking at us and saying like where'd you get that where'd you get that yeah it was in front of your faces we were the cool kids in the room and no one else had it until we walked out and we saw like well there's some another person who had the there's one room. other person i think they thought like we brought it from home yes i really <laughs> think so and uh i do need to say they also gave out the long halloween the first edition of the long halloween ricky flux is showing it off to the youtube right now but with the and, ca- real care the characters from the batman the movie on the cover Yes. On the cover. And it just shows you uh, the marketing in this movie was maybe the best marketing out of any movie I've ever seen. Where it goes from the trailer, mm. it goes from the, the Riddler clues online, the ones that go through New York City that were like almost, it looked like they were graffitied onto walls. And then you have like these commemorative Batman cows that you're filling up with popcorn, the comic book that leads like that basically guides and source material for the movie that we just saw. And the trailers did not give away much. I feel like people were nervous after the second and third trailer. Maybe we're seeing too much. I mean, you can't predict what happened at the end of this movie. And this is why we're going to non-spoilers and let you enjoy the movie for the next week. And then we're diving in to a, uh, a spoiler filled podcast. Uh, to drop on Tuesday. Okay. So, uh, I, I mean, Ricky Flex, where do I start? I guess, did it live up to your expectations and how did it do so specifically if it did? This was the highest, most anticipated movie of the year for me, I believe for you as well. And I had the highest expectations after seeing the two trailers, the cast, the already greenlit Gotham PD show, the Penguin series, everything said this was going to be a, one of the best, if not the best movie of the year. It lived up to the hype. It lived up to the hype for a three-hour epic. This is what it was. Three acts, each an hour, 
each with its own story, it felt like that, yes, some of the time it was slow detective story, but it was compelling. Then other times it felt like a million miles an hour coming at your face loud in IMAX. It was amazing. It was, I, I lived up to the hype. It lived up to the hype. There were th- things that I particularly didn't like or I thought could have been done better. And there were some things where I thought, a little too much there but at the end of the day it all worked together as a whole very well and I think that the nitpicks are more uh, the things that I have issues with or things think that could have been better are mostly nitpicks not detractors yeah you could there could be some people thinking that this was slow in parts to three hour movie. There's going to be, it's not all just a car chase with the penguin and the Batmobile flying through flames and the Batman pulverizing people. But the movie, I mean, for the most part, I found gripping. Like it was, it had me from the get go. The first scene is it sets the tone for the rest of the movie. And uh, we have a movie. It's just so clear to me that, Actually, the non-comic book movie inspirations for this and uh, seven, it just was in my mind the entire time, right? David Fincher's 1995 film with Brad Pitt, Morgan Freeman. That movie felt like it was just the template, like the way these characters interacted, specifically Commissioner Gordon and uh, Robert Pattinson's Batman. I felt like I was watching Mills and Somerset like antagonizing criminals in seven or antagonizing John Doe, right? It just had that vibe and it it was scary. And it was by, it was easily a thriller and it could have been R rated if it uh, showed some more of the violence, right? That happened in this movie, but they kind of went with the Tarantino style where it's like, you just assume terrible things are happening to these people by these criminals. We'll go into details there. Okay. But uh, what do you think of the tone of this movie? And uh, do you think it worked? It, it completely worked. The noir, the noir tone was amazing. I think the music for the most part was great. And I, there's this kid behind me after the movie that was upset that the score was the entire movie. And I just wanted to yell behind him, like, listen to the last podcast because Hans Zimmer's <laughs> score was the only thing in the Dark Knight. And you weren't complaining when that was played 70 times. And this kid was complaining that it was this score was played 50 times. So I was just like, Jesus Christ, this kid does nothing. Uncultured swine. But, Subscribe to the drive-in pod. But the score was amazing. The set the tone throughout i thought i disagreed with the guy behind me and (laughs) i was perfect it set the tone perfectly and i i won't say it was as good as a hans zimmer but what i will say is that it fit the vibe of a daunting or haunting batman a batman out for vengeance a batman out not to kill but for revenge and he is on the beat. He is on that path of vengeance, ready to like, it felt just like a nightmare for anybody that encountered the Batman because of this music. And then you have the walk out of the shadows from Robert Pattinson's Batman. It was perfect. It followed the new, and then also you mentioned seven. There was no sunlight in this movie. Even during the daytime, there wasn't sun. It rained half the time. It felt like seven. The cop, like every single scene, whether it was a club, an apartment building even if it was nice it wasn't nice because it was so dark it was it was incredible the everything everything it felt incredible so like the beginning of the movie it was terrifying like you were on the edge of your seat and like you were like flexing your abs and whenever the Batman appeared, his introduction, the Riddler's introduction man that is going to be talked about for a long time like that first scene my God, it got me going. And combined with the score, as I said before, it kind of showed it was a, it worked perfectly with these dark scenes. That's just what the, that's what Giacchino was going for. And it was impressive because Batman at the beginning, he wants to like clean up Gotham, but he's also a part of that fear at the beginning of it. People mm. aren't just afraid of the criminals. They don't know what to think of the Batman. And Robert Pattinson, his character development throughout the movie, I thought was excellent. I think really well written. Um, I, 
I, I think more so than if we want to do comparisons to Dark Knight. I think it's in that capacity, the Batman character, the Bruce Wayne character, I think it's even more well-written than Bruce Wayne's Christian Bale in The Dark Knight. I also got to give a shout-out to Greg Frazier. Holy crap. <laughs> this is the best shot superhero movie ever made. This is the best shot superhero movie. I think it's clear. The camera work, the angles, the first-person perspective, the... Even when it's not first-person perspective, just like the stills that you could take from this movie and the shadow use here, the car chase sequences. Greg Frazier, if this came out two months ago, Greg Frazier's winning the Oscar for Best Cinematography. I'll that's say high that. praise. I think, I think I agree with you. I think one of the factors that you didn't mention that I think you should get credit with is that, as if you could see, my eyes keep blinking and they're a little watery because that IMAX screen because it's so dark in Gotham City that they portrayed and it's raining all the time and misty but there's lights that flash from you whether it's in a club or the car chasing and just headlights flashing on you or floodlights from the cops or got the from Gotham PD it just discombobulated the audience just your it was incredible the fight sequences as well with the flashing lights it was the cinematography was on point. Everything you said, in addition to the discombobulating lights, I, I I was thoroughly satisfied with Greg Frazier here. I think I agree with you. I would have to revisit, but it, I think I agree. Like the as I was watching, like as this movie came to an end, I kept thinking about like the bonus prediction I had last episode where I was saying this movie will be in Oscar contention next Oscars. And I think I, this is like, I couldn't be more confident in that prediction because in my opinion, this is going to be, as I said before, arguably the most discussed comic book movie ever made just because we've had so many different comic book movies since right? Uh, Nolan's trilogy since Batman begins to the dark Knight to the MCU to the DCEU kicking off and nothing has been shot like this movie. It, that's when I say it's euphoric. It's nothing that we've seen. It really felt like a breath of fresh air, but also it was riveting. It was a whole, it had an horror aspect mm. and it dove into so many characters that we love and it sets up so many different things for the future of this franchise. And that's what I was kind of surprised by a little bit. And uh, we're going to get to one spoiler at the end of this podcast. We'll give you a warning, but it seems like Reeves is committed to this universe for the long haul, whether it be the Gotham city police department series, whether it be the penguin series, whether it be the sequel to the Batman, he is in it for the long haul. And I am so happy because his vision is spectacular. What do you think about this uh, setting up of the Batverse through this movie? Because I think it stood well on its own, obviously, but there's so much potential afterwards. I think it's great on its own, but it's even better at, with, the, with the potential. I actually think it's better with the potential because you could see, I'm not, no spoilers right now, but the storylines between all these different characters, it, it's similar to the Dark Knight where you have all these, this great cast behind it and towards the last act of the movie, you could see the past that each of these characters are going on. Mm. And then when the movie rounds each rounds itself out and including the Batman, I feel like that was a great ending to his story oh, yeah. uh, at the end of this movie, but just also the supporting cast with all these side shows going on. And I would say also say this other characters that don't have shows that aren't the main characters here, there's potential with them as well. And I think that, I, I really, really liked what he did here as a franchise, but you didn't feel like this was a franchise movie. I think that's mm -hmm. the biggest compliment you can give to a superhero movie nowadays. And Matt Reeves, Greg Frazier, the cinematography, Peter Craig, co-writer on this. I think they did it. They put this, and I and obviously just a lot of other people, but those three I felt the most, to, I think that they were the biggest standouts in this movie for me personally. And it's just not the same formula as a lot of these superhero movies we've seen recently, specifically with Marvel. A lot of times the spinoffs that they're hinting at are so obvious and they're not well embedded into the story. This is the opposite. This is great writing with these characters. I am so excited for the future here. And I don't want the DCEU remotely connected to what Matt Reeves is doing. Let him just live in his own world because what he's created 
is special. And I talked about this in terms of comparing to the Dark Knight. What does it have to do to differentiate itself? Okay. Um, first off, it, uh, I talk, uh, what we need to say is this one is even more grounded than the Dark Knight. And that's shocking. To Easily. Say. Easily. Wait, it, it, it makes the Dark Knight feel like an MCU film. That's how dark it's- and grounded this movie is. It is banana lands how much this feels like wow like realistic uh it doesn't overdo it with the the batman gadgets humor got the personal stories to it it really really hits yes there's less humor in it but i also said gotham city it has to be a character in the film and with the 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 way it was shot by greg frazier with giacchino's score okay and wait the way it was such a central part of the whole movie, Gotham City itself. It was a character. He pulled it off, right? I think I, I think it was a character, but also from the other characters, not like main characters, but the su- supporting characters and minor characters, the really minor ones, but the, again, this movie, I think complemented the city yes. so well. I oh, think yeah. that made it more than the other it way. Belonged yeah, right exactly. You're like, setting. this makes sense. This is coming together. And like, once you get to the second act, there's a clear end of the first act and you'll know it when you see it. There's a clear end to the first act of this film. And then right after that, you're like, all right, they got the background of Gotham here. They did an excellent job, not just with the main points, but the minor points, what I was trying to say. And from there on out, it was like, all right, I know this city, the ins and outs of it. As in, I, I'm very well situated with it. And let's get ready for the Batman to go on a throw ride with us. And I got to admit, like having this podcast and like having an episode that debuted this week, go listen to it now. Ten bold predictions for the Batman before you see it in theaters. It was I felt like I was gambling throughout the movie uh, when me and Ricky Flex, like we didn't sit right next to each other. We sat front like he I sat in front of him, the row in front, exact same number seat. And so when certain things that we predicted happened, Ricky Fox would kick my seat. And there was one point where something happened that uh, went against our predictions. I turned around to see Ricky Flix's reaction, but then I had to turn directly at the screen afterwards because I couldn't miss a beat from this movie. How, like, did you have that same feeling as we were watching? Like, man, I, I wonder if I'm going six for 10 right now. Maybe I'm going four for eight. My, 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 my shooting percentage is probably at like a 55%. Like, what do you think? The competitive spirit of me was doing that the entire movie. Um, but I think it was balanced with also because we've seen so much footage of this movie, it felt like beforehand, not just, and I, I'm not talking about the trailers. I think the trailers, that is the best advertising, best trailers of all time. I won't say it's the best marketing, but I will say the best trailers. They put together some incredible trailers. I think releasing the clips and some of the stills in this movie was a mistake, mainly the clips, because you could predict some of these, some of them. That was in my eyes. So it was a balancing of trying to, do those bold predictions that we did, predicting when those would happen, but then also trying to predict, all right, when is this clip coming in? When is this going to be in this movie? So it was kind of a balance between the two, which is actually kind of nice because it kept you on your toes, which is the whole point of seeing a movie without being spoiled. Ricky Flex, I was low-key in my bag with with my predictions. Low-key in my bag. Hey, (laughs) high-key, low-key, high-key. There was some hits and misses here. That's why the episode is perfect for someone listening to this now, because you have no idea what we're talking about. And I don't think we spoiled anything right there. Yeah. Cause like, I think like <laughs> even the ones that we predicted, they were only like half, right? <laughs> like it was like, it was like, there's like, like, like a, there's like an asterisk next to asterisk on every single one. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, but Ricky Flex, what else did I want to bring up? Um, as we kind of like are wrapping up this spoiler free review before we do our deep dive during, on next week's episode, we got to talk about performances. We got to, okay? We talked about The Dark Knight, what makes it that's so rewatchable. You got Heath Ledger's performance. Uh, and we have, an, and then we also talked about the other supporting characters in The Dark Knight, talked about Christian Bale's performance as Batman. We got to talk about um, the cast here. And I think, obviously, we have to start with Pattinson. How did Pattinson do in his first ever out, outing as Bruce Wayne slash Batman? Let's start off with this performance as Batman. Okay, performances, Batman. This was a differentiator. I mentioned it on last week's pod. Go listen to it if you didn't. This mask allowed him to actually act in this suit. Yes! The high cheekbones. He had an emotional aspect, even when he's wearing the Batman suit. 
Like, that was an incredible decision. I mentioned how last week in the interrogation scene in the Dark Knight, you could see Batman's eyes when the Joker uh, and Heath Ledger's Joker goes, your strength, nothing you can do is going to save them. And he's like shocked. And this movie, it's like so much better. It's because of this suit. This suit was a game changer. And not also, also related to that, not just the acting, also a game changer with the action sequences because obviously there's a stunt double but wow this guy was in his bag yeah. this guy was on top of his game i don't know who it is i don't know what but wow this guy is amazing and it wasn't it was clearly like a year two batman it was clearly throughout the movie you mentioned how the batman story are uh throughout this movie and it was even amazing in the batman suit i would say better in the batman suit than it was as Bruce Wayne. He completed a story arc as the Batman. And that was, I'll say, I'll st- I'll end it here because I do want to go into more in spoiler territory on next week's review. But it was a great Batman performance. And I will say the best Batman, I the best Batman performance there's ever been. Hands down. It's not close. This is the best person to wear the Batman suit act as the Batman in the history of Batman films, whether it be right. Just the way he looks with the costume, with the high cheekbones, with the cow, the acting and the emotion, whether it be anger, fear, and straight up just stunned by what he was actually being confronted with in this movie. It was clear how he was feeling, even when he's wearing that suit, how, when he's hell bent towards the beginning of this movie, then he's going through a range of emotions as he goes. Um, and the physicality of this Batman, okay? The voice, all of the it. Voice, the so voice, the voice. good. Robert the Pattinson. justice. Right? Yes. It, it, it's so smooth, and there is a uh. slight, slight, differentiate, slight differentiation between Batman and Bruce Wayne slight, in this movie. Slight. slight. It's very close. Enough. And obviously, like, Bruce Wayne's a recluse in this movie, doesn't have a lot of interactions with the public, so they don't necessarily know what he sounds like, a lot of people. So it doesn't really matter. Maybe that'll adjust as, like, the movies go on. But I need to say, Ricky Flex, his role as Bruce Wayne, not that impressed. Okay, so hear me out. I'm listening. When I left the theater, I was like, God damn, we didn't even get to see Pattinson do his thing. But this movie was about the Batman. This movie is what we always wanted to see, is him... As the Batman doing the detective work, that's what we wanted to see. And as a year two Batman, also, he's technically like a year two Bruce Wayne. Like, he's back, right? He's not out and about in this movie. Like, spoiler. Not spoiler. Just, like, honestly, like, yeah, this isn't spoiler. Like, he's not out and about as Bruce Wayne, right? He is. He stays at home, and then he goes out to to be the Batman. And that's why we don't get a lot of Bruce Wayne. And you mentioned Recluse, right? You don't see that development as Bruce Wayne because he's not Bruce Wayne, really. Not yet, that is. He's maybe the after Batman this movie, all the time. Yeah, but maybe he will down the road in this franchise that yeah. is to be. I think that would, and I, that was a big detractor for me at first. But then again, it's like, it makes sense based on his story arc as Bruce Wayne that he's not that involved because he's doing nothing as Bruce Wayne, really nothing. And when he's not wearing the suit, he's really Batman. Right. And I, like, I couldn't agree more that I don't have a problem with him not being or not being uh, defined as the essential after the Batman. Well, it just go ahead. it just ruins your take that he will win an Oscar or be nominated for yes, an Oscar. Yes, he... I know. I know it, it, it does because it's not like necessarily a complete character when you think of like right. it, it ruins your take. But I agree with everything you're saying. This movie is titled The Batman. And a lot of the time. As you said, when he's not wearing the suit, he's still um, using his detective skills, right? He, he's in the Batcave. He's working with Alfred. He's trying to solve this case, even when he's not wearing the suit. And he hasn't developed, like they give a lot of room for growth for the sequel of this movie. He's so hell-bent on this revenge and being the Batman. He's trying to do his best to save Gotham City from the corruption, from everything that's going on, the crime. Consumed by it. Yeah, he's yeah, he's consumed by this revenge and trying to do like what his parents, like his parents, Thomas and Martha Wayne, like were trying to do, right? He wants to do that, but in his way, because he knows the other way was not going to work. The Batman is the way, it's the only way to do it. And I think that leads us to another character. 
So we have to talk about uh, Zoe Kravitz's Catwoman, right? So Zoe Kravitz's Catwoman, Ricky Flex, what were your thoughts upon seeing her debut as Catwoman? I thought she was amazing as an actress. And I actually do think watching Kimmy helped watching this movie. I'm not (laughs) even kidding because Kimmy, it's like she is, uh, she's not hellbent or anything like that, but she's so organized. Like she's very sanitized, like, like, uh, She's very order, like every morning she like works out and does this and this and this and very organized person. And she's also like very athletic and whatever, very smart. And actually helped watch leading into this movie. It was like a nice precursor warm up. So I Mm -hmm. wish I kind of picked that, even though like I don't, I didn't love Kimmy, but it was nice to see it translate to this one, but in an active physical role that she was amazing at. I thought it was awesome. And the emotion that she was portraying her chemistry with Battenson, I thought she was awesome. Hands down, like for me, total performance that goes to her. Yeah. So she was sexy and sleek. I think she's, mm-hmm. I think she, like if I had to compare her to Anne Hathaway, Michelle Pfeiffer, she's now the quintessential Catwoman. Agreed. Just like we just said, Robert Pattinson in the suit, quintessential Batman. She's a quintessential Right, Catwoman, seeing their relationship play out throughout the movie, seeing what their motivations were, how they were similar, yet they went about things differently. I think it was uh, spot on with the comic books. Okay. And it gives so much potential for her character in the future. So I thought she was incredible. Moving down the line here, um, Paul Dano, you got to talk about him. All right. The Riddler in this movie, (laughs) this is going to sound so weird, Ricky. I don't know if this was intentional by Matt Reeves. But when he wears the suit, he was in his bag. When he had the mask on, he was intimidating as hell. Okay. And then we have like the scene in the trailer, right? With him and him in prison. And I didn't get this. I didn't like the performance as much when he wasn't wearing the mask and everything. And uh, so I thought he was great. I don't think he was. Uh, I read some reviews saying like he was carrying them like one of like this, like I would say it was like Zoe Kravitz and him are getting a lot of the shine here. I did like Zoe Kravitz more, but I did. I was impressed with Paul Dano. And I do think that he uh, um, he had a lot to offer in this movie and like seeing him play like a non-physical type of villain was perfect. I thought the casting was on point and uh, seeing his motivations as the movie went on. Uh, you had an idea before seeing it, but you didn't know exactly. And I thought the writing for his character was pretty good as well. All right. Something you don't see for a lot of comic book villains. So what do you think of Paul Dano here? I, going on your last point, it was written very well. Yeah. His character very well. I, uh, it's not like we didn't see him a lot, but I wish we saw more of him. And it's tough to go into that without spoiling it. So I won't go into more, yeah, we'll but off. I think if you'll see it, you'll understand it. I wish we saw more of him in his bag, but I disagree with you. I thought he was good outside the mask too. Okay. We'll agree to disagree. I don't think yeah. he was bad. I just think he was just so much better. Just like, I just thought Batman, like Pat said, was so much better when he was in the suit. It just like, yeah. so he, like, I just thought that was like a similar thing there. And just like when they're deep into these characters, right. These, this character acting uh, and just covering their face and still like being able to portray what they want to portray. But we also got to talk about really quick Colin Farrell, man, I'm excited for the future of this character. We're getting a series with the penguin potentially R rated. Okay. Uh, see how he's portrayed as the right hand man to Carmine Falcone in this movie. I think that uh, he makes the most out of every scene he's in, although with limited screen time. And it's a nice tease for Batman fans and what the future holds, you know? I thought this was, I thought it was the perfect amount of screen time. I thought everything with this character was perfect. Yeah. And it makes sense. Like his backstory in this movie was very well rounded. It was a complete arc, even though he's probably like a fourth, fifth, no, fifth, fifth supporting character, mm. probably fifth behind okay. Batman. Catwoman, um, the Riddler, Gordon, Gordon Totoro. It's close. It's close it between close. him and Totoro. But that, whatever. At the end of the day, they did an incredible job with this character, and they also set it up for his show or movie or whatever, and also the future of this franchise. It was incredible, incredibly done, and on all accounts. And again, could not tell it was Colin Farrell. It's funny because in our screening, like they had a special. 
Um, like so it was Pattinson, Colin Farrell, Zoe Kravitz, Paul Dano, and Jeffrey Wright. Those five did like a special, like you guys are like one of the few people in the world that are going to be able to see this movie uh this early. And like they were saying, like, congratulations, basically. And like just looking at Colin Farrell and how good looking he is. And I'm just like, he's about to be like unrecognizable. And it's god dang right. Like on the big IMAX screen, you could not match up that good looking Irish man with this guy. Impossible. Right. The, the supporting cast was so on point and uh, the character designs also on point. Uh, you talked about uh, comparisons, how it could maybe uh, match the level of the Dark Knight because naturally that's what you can compare to with the best Batman movie ever made. And you talked about the writing of supporting characters, these subplots and their storylines, making sure they are, uh, they, it, it puts together a, a full movie, right? It's not just a focus on the Batman. For the most part, it does a great job, but I kind of didn't like how, uh, actually, I'm not going to say I didn't like it, but Jeffrey Wright is kind of underwritten, I think intentionally as uh, Commissioner Gordon. And that goes with like your theory. I'm like, okay, it's a Batman. It's year two Batman. We know the story of Batman year one. We know how heavily Matt Reeves uh, takes the source material, whether it be Long Halloween or year one with this movie. So I'm not surprised by it, but it kind of goes against, obviously, what was so great about The Dark Knight was everybody had a storyline, you know? But that was the one supporting character that I think was lacking a bit. But as I said before, Jeffrey Wright, I did find spectacular in this movie as well. I think his combination with Pattinson was incredibly entertaining right them trying to go on this noir type of story together and the different avenues they have to take in order to solve this case and what batman is able to achieve that gordon can't achieve and how they work with one another i thought it was um beautiful to watch and i can't wait to see them collaborate again in the sequel yeah i think because like they're the only people they have to trust right and that's not a spoiler that's just batman comic book history so they're always together in the end, but you never saw them as in depth, like doing everything together, like in this movie. So that was very interesting to see. Yeah, they were basically partners, which was insane. It, it was and free. It was more Morgan Freeman and Brad Pitt in seven. It was, I kept thinking that every time I saw it, it was and Jeffrey Wright, like shaking them down. I'm like, that's Somerset. Like they're yeah. doing it. And here comes Brad Pitt with the fire. I, the there fans. were, yeah. And I, I agree with everything you said. I think he was great. There were a couple of lines where I kind of laughed. I I, I don't know. That. I, I kind of laughed out loud. Um, and it's not because of the act. It's just like the way it came off wasn't right. But at the end of the day, like loved the character. And I think that I think that was a fair assumption that we just gave on yeah. Cobblepot, Riddler, Batman, Zoe Kravitz, and I guess the last person to talk to is Tatura, right? Yeah. Or am well, I missing anyone else? I, I think I, I think Taturo. They had some nice, like, uh, I didn't think he was going to get as much shine as he did in this movie, honestly. Uh, he didn't get a lot of shine in the trailers, but he ends up playing a pretty pivotal role in this story. You know, he's playing Carmine Falcone, which is incredibly important to the source material, being the long Halloween, the comic that was distributed to us right before we saw it. It was like they gave you bathroom reading in case you had to, like, go well, into one of the stalls and then, like, come everyone watch was the there movie. early. Everyone, everyone was, was reading early. it too. Everyone was reading it. So that goes into like, how do you want to prepare for the Batman? Read the long Halloween. You must. But uh, I don't want to go into too much of Carmine Falcone because he has some important details that I don't think we can really talk about. Yeah, I, I, I will say, you know, I think the Turo was good at acting. It's just playing Carmine Falcone compared to the comics. I just, you know, it's John Turo. I don't, I just don't, I don't know. At the end of the day, like he's a great actor. But to play Carmine, I think it's just a different take on Carmine, even though it's kind of similar. Because he's not as imposing. He's not the same imposing character yes, as he he's looks not, in the he's, comics. He's very slender here. Yeah. He plays it like, he literally played it similar to like almost like a Godfather type of role, in my opinion. That's what I was kind of the vibe when he sees Bruce Wayne mm, at the beginning of the movie. That's not spoiling I think, anything. That's why I think, I think that he does give some vibes. Um, all right, Ricky Flex, why don't we throw out some scores and then we'll jump into a quick spoiler uh, warning before we uh, talk about a certain scene in the movie. I have I reserve the right to change my score by our next review because I need to see yep. this again. I really want to give this the highest score ever, but I do. My nitpicks are a little bigger than like a Dark Knight's nitpicks. And I don't think that there is like a performance like a Heath Ledger in here 
which elevated the Dark Knight and made it its own. But I do think this is the best Batman we've ever seen, which I think makes it up there, but not Oscar worthy. So it won't be as high as the Dark Knight. I'm going to go with a 94 and with reserve the right to go higher or lower after another review. Okay. I'm going to go a 97, um, a notch below a one point below my dark Knight score. I was like, you, you gotta give the dark Knight the benefit of the doubt. This is, could be an over-exaggeration, maybe hyperbole from us after seeing it. We just left the theater and we got here and we're talking about it. So, uh, I also reserve the right to change my, uh, score but i think that the rewatchability of dark knight is so important i think as the years go on you might want to adjust your score to the batman because i think this movie is going to be potentially more rewatchable than the dark knight <laughs> why i think i think there so the dark knight why is it so rewatchable performance by heath ledger okay the performances here as a whole the cast is spectacular similar uh to the dark knight right talking about the batman here but i think with the detective noir style movie picking up different clues you didn't see before. I think that has that um, quality that the dark Knight doesn't have. I think there are Easter eggs in terms of the story that was told uh, clues left by the Riddler that just weren't caught in the first time you watch it. Some nuances with the camera work. I think that there is a certain rewatchability. This movie will have as years and decades go on. I swear to God. And um, that's why I'm not, maybe it's a little bold to say it's, it will be more rewatchable, but I mean, we're bold people. So I'm just going to ride with it. 10 bold predictions before this movie. Um, I think that the Dark Knight will be more rewatchable than this one, not just because of the performance, but also the iconic lines in that movie are just amazing. I think like the quotes, it's so quotable. I like, wonder what's going to live on here. Like the comedies that we talk about, we always quote those, right? But we quote the Dark Knight all the time. We quote the Godfather all the time. We quote those type of movies. This one, we don't, we're not going to be quoting. Uh, I'm vengeance, bro. Okay, yeah, but the, compared to the Dark Knight, there's not nearly as many. I but know. I'm going to see it again. I'm probably going to quote it like right in the next pod, the spoiler review pod. <laughs> Tell you that. We'll see. I, okay, I think it's we'll it's, it's hard after the first time. I mean, the Dark Knight, you knew it, like it has obviously either die or hero. You live live long enough to see yourself become the villain. You knew that right off the bat. You're like that's going that's like the theme of the movie, and it's going to stick with you for the rest of time. So I agree with you in that regard. There's nothing really stuck out other than the two words on vengeance that like. Really got you going. Uh, all right. So I think we also, did we talk about Andy Serkis as Alfred? That's what I want. That's what I was relating to saying, oh, he's not what Bruce Wayne. Yeah, okay, yeah. whatever, whatever. Stop that. It's just, it wasn't that clear. But I'm just saying Andy Andy Serkis, I'm, I'll, I'll just say really quick, liked him in this movie. Uh, didn't stand out as much as the other roles. A um, little underwritten as well. Didn't get the screen time I was hoping for, but I think he was also formidable and with uh, his performance i think uh i agree with you and i think just to add on to kind of relay back to our prior pod with our alfred predictions here i liked like the alfred we got and i like the background a little bit when they described him a little bit he went into his experiences with the waynes yeah i thought it was it it provides a lot of growth for his character and like to find out more about him as the sequels happen yeah and uh he's He's different than the others, but in a good way. Like I liked what the spin on Alfred in this one, it's similar, but different. Liked it a lot, but just again, underwritten, it seemed like, Mm -hmm. you know, just what you said. So that's going to do it for our spoiler free review of the Batman, right? For those who have seen the movie. Okay. Ricky flicks and I are going to do a quick five minute spoiler section all right. On a certain scene towards the end of this movie, if you are, if you haven't seen this movie and you're just looking for the spoiler free, I, I repeat again, this is going to be spoilers. So stop listening to the podcast. Make sure you subscribe to us. Okay. Make sure you follow us on social media. We're going to have a deep dive for the Batman on next week's episode dropping on Tuesday. So smell you for those people that are now leaving the pod. We'll give a five second countdown before we start talking about it. Four, three, two, one. Ricky Flex. We got to talk about this huge scene at the end of the movie. We talked about the teasing of the Batverse, right? They hinted at Oswald Cobblepot like taking over Carmine Falcone's 
uh, drug kingpin, but also they hint at Zoe Kravitz going off outside Gotham City, all right, away from Bruce Wayne. And they also hint at Paul Dano still alive at the end of this movie, him going crazy as Edward Nashton, okay, following getting caught as the Riddler and his plan getting foiled by Batman and Commissioner Gordon. But then we have an interaction in Arkham Asylum between the Riddler and none other than who we assumed Barry Kogan as the Joker. Barry Kogan as the Joker. Ricky Flick's initial reactions to his debut in this new Batverse. So a few things. So first, you, what do you think of the Joker? One, you think of his face, makeup. It looked like scars, scars on his face, but not a clear look. So I'm not going to assume anything, but didn't look like makeup, like the white makeup we saw with Heath Ledger, Jack Nicholson. It looked like it was just scars, no makeup on. And then his hair is kind of, he kind of looked like Two-Face, as in like with the scars and the hair, the comic book version of Two-Face a little bit. Um, so that was my first th thought. Now the voice, second thing. Definitely a younger Joker. I know Heath Ledger was 28, um, rest in peace. But like this one even seemed younger just by 24 the or something. Yeah, like this one, I didn't mind it. He was very calm, cool, collective, but you could tell by the ways he was saying he had a lot of, he was inferring a lot of things and giving us a lot of things that the fans want to hear that refers to the Joker, but without him saying he's the Joker. And then lastly, it's the laugh. The laugh. At first I was like, not bad, but then it pans away, not as close to him. And I'm like, wow, that was a it's good laugh. Good. It's yeah. good, Ricky. It's he's refined. It's the breathing. Sorry, go ahead. 29, by the way, I just wanted to say. Gotcha. Okay. But I couldn't agree more. I wasn't sold on the laugh when he first started to go, but as he started to carry it a little bit, I'm like, wow, he's actually really into this right now. And I, and I'm Bat Reeves has teased that there's a second scene with Barry Kogan uh, that he had to cut, but he says it will surface at some point. Can't wait to see it. I think also they're not exactly sold on what the character is going to look like. So I, I think that's why mm. Reeves didn't give a full facial of the Joker. Okay. So it did look like he is scarred up. He makes a clown reference. He doesn't say he's a clown. You don't really see if he has makeup or not. His hair is like splooched up, right? Almost looks like it has product in it somehow to keep it sticky, sticking like up. Like a Harvey Dent in the comic. So it's, it doesn't give you a clear cut look at him, but it does give you a preview of the voice and the laugh. And you got to wonder like, it's almost, we talk about the long Halloween, how you have multiple villains, right? Intertwining in that story. The Riddler's also, uh, not with, uh, the Riddler, I don't think makes an appearance in long Halloween, but there he is, not. there is a collaboration with the characters that at the end of that story could be looking at, could we be looking at a, like a team up between the Joker and the Riddler with Penguin coming into the fold, or maybe he just, I think it's obviously, maybe it's just time that Barry Kogan just takes a hold of the next movie, a la Dark Knight with Heath Ledger, and uh, see what Reeves can do with this character and Kogan can do to create something different. Although we have gotten many different uh, Joker iterations over the past like decade. Yeah, I think it's the latter, what you said. I don't see a team-up happening. The Riddler, this was his movie. He did a great job. He, this movie reminded me, like, wow, this is a, like a great, like, villain um, scheme. The scheme was Perfect great. Perfect for a grounded story. Yeah, Perfect. it was very well executed. Great performance. A good performance. But I don't want to see him back. Even though I love Paul Dano and I love the Riddler, this is clear indications that, hey, you had you did well, bud. That's the way you're saying you did well. You're not you didn't you're not a clown, but it's time for the clown to come in and get even crazier. That's what mm -hmm. I inferred it as. Um, he's kind of going to take this mantle, this Gotham wake up. There's a huge problem and I'm, he's going to just take Gotham by storm even more. This kind of like the really like opened things up. And now the Joker is just going to come in and just take control of it. I'm nervous that it has too similar of a beginning of the story of uh, like the next movie is going to have the like too similar mm. of a story to the dark Knight. not just because the Joker's involved, but because this Bat one? Batman say like, obviously saves Gotham, cleans up the streets, right. Dismantles like the, the, um, the Riddler's like plot at the end of this movie and looks at it. Like it's all hunky dory. Gotham's on the up and up. And then here comes the Joker. 
Joker's spoil everything again, right? Uh, what are Joker's motivations for this next movie going to be? Okay, how is he, uh, is he going to have a backstory at all that they're going to dive into? Or is it is it Barry Kogan just going to own the film as we talked about before? There's so many question marks here. Um, I'm just, I, I got to, I want to see more Barry Kogan in films to like get me prepped for like, yeah, what I'm I, going to see. Because I I don't know. I, I can't see him yet carrying a whole movie as an antagonist based on his filmography. I love Barry Kogan. I love him. I think he's going to be an absolute stud. Maybe like he already like has proven that to a lot of people. Maybe he's already proven it to Matt Reeves and he just trusts him with everything. And he's obviously talented. But Paul Dano is Paul Dano. He's an Academy Award nominated actor and that can really bring this character to life. And then at a character like the Riddler, and now we're doing Barry Hogan, a young, relatively inexperienced. Ah, I don't want to yeah, say inexperienced. I, 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 I'm, uh, ex- I'm excited, but I just I'm not that that excited. You know what I mean? I, I disagree. I disagree. Okay. I so I agree with your take that Paul Dano more established, uh, definitely critically better and older. Everything that you said there, but think of Heath Ledger. Like he was an Oscar nominated as well, but he was only like 28. Like he was or 27 at the time. Like he was filming. Like he was in only like 10 films, 12 films in his career, full features. Yeah. You can like, make a he comparison. Wasn't in a like, lot. You can and, make a comparison like Razal Ghoul, like Liam Neeson's a bigger name at the time. Right. Than that, perfect. So I, I kind of recant. I kind of so, recant. Kinda. But, and I think I'm so excited. The, oh, God. Yeah. And like, this isn't like Joaquin like coming in to grab an Oscar. This is going to be Kagan saying, okay, I'm playing the Joker and then he's going to go after this to an Oscar winning career, probably. Like, <laughs> So I, just, I don't know what like the imagining a Joker in this Reeves universe. Like we thought we had just dealt with a serial killer, like from the Riddler. What the hell are we going to right. get with the Joker? That's my I'm, little, I'm, I, I, I'm all concerned about that. And like how it's going to outdo such a massive story. You already handled the corruption. Was. Right. And we can't like bring in a Harvey Dent to do again with the Joker. So like, what are we going to do? That's different from the dark Knight, but also different than what the Riddler just did, which is very similar to what, the Joker and and somehow still loyal to comic books you know? and loyal That's, to comic books, it's still, but not it's just a hard straight chaos the like the Joker. And yeah. it can't be organized crime again because this one did that. That uh, Dark Knight did that. It's going to be interesting to see what Reeves and uh, Craig, uh, Peter Craig, do here in the writing. But at the end of the day, I'm confident after seeing this one, it's the, so the lead up to this franchise and the next one and all these series. I just hope we don't get uh, bamboozled with these series. <laughs> and just overinflated. As long as Matt this. Reeves is involved, I'm I'm confident. Yeah, like I just flat out, he created this world. He knows how to take care of it. That's gonna do it for our spoiler-free review of the Batman. Uh, make sure you subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, SoundCloud, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcast. Make sure you watch the YouTube, subscribe to it, and uh, make sure that you follow us on social media, Twitter, Instagram, at The Drive-In Pod, okay? For The Drive-In Podcast, this is Dr. O. That was Ricky Flex, and that was our review of The Batman. Until next time, we will Smell ya. A vengeance. Underneath the bridge, top is from.